0: expressed in psalm 99 verse 9 exalt the lord and indeed to do so in his holy hill for he is holy and we have the opportunity this morning and yea the wonderful blessing indeed to come into his presence to offer worship in spirit and in truth and it's certainly good to see the fine audience that's assembled today that some who've been sick are able to be back with us and visitors who we've been blessed to have come our way this morning We hope that for each and every one present, that the worship service will be encouraging, will be uplifting, edifying, and will serve to get this week off on a terrific start for each of us to draw us closer to the blessed will of our God in heaven. As we come to a consideration of what you've seen in the bulletin this morning in terms of the sermon title, and also listed on the wall here to my left, a study of gambling, it is indeed a topic and a subject that fits into a number of other things, that in, in an introductory way might be begun in this fashion. It is ever pertinent, isn't it, to give consideration with earnestness and sincerity to many of the activities that take place about us, and even those activities that may come to be present in our lives themselves. For isn't it still the case in John 1248 that Jesus uttered this rather famous statement with regard to the nature of the judgment, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. It thus becomes essential, isn't it, to compare favorably the activities of life with what is the will of God. In anything that God condemns or disapproves, you and I must hastily seek to remove from our lives and give no support to any such thing. And I've listed a number of things that if we each, on a rather frequent basis, are called upon to discuss with others and give consideration ourselves, from dancing to the usage of drugs, social drinking, the recognition of sexual activity as it seems so free in our society, the nature of gambling, tobacco, and any number of other things. Today, of course, as you might have noted from the title already, we'll focus our efforts upon a consideration of gambling and simply seek to ask, what is the will of heaven with regard to it? Does God give us anywhere in his word, teachings, principles, statements, and guidelines that will help us understand his will as it relates to gambling? Of course, as we notice the frequency with which that subject appears in our land, the commercials on radio, television, often news stories that relate to it, I might encourage us first to try to be careful to notice easily what it is that we're discussing. And so, by way of an introduction and a definition, let me, in fact, present more clearly what I mean by that set of enticing statements. If you listen to the radio very often you're now aware that one of the most prevalently occurring slogans, it would seem, relates to the Tennessee State Lottery. Fun in an instant, it proclaims. Encouraging folks to buy lottery tickets even as gifts for others. Instant gratification and the fun that's presented with respect to it. It is a rather enticing sounding thing, isn't it? But not only that, if you listen or watch the television from the Nashville stations at least, I've noticed of late, that now they're offerings of free transportation. They will pay your way to travel to the western end of Mississippi to the Harris Casino that's located there. You see they're happy to pay your way knowing that they'll get a lot more than that out of you when you get there. The idea related to it is it's a free enticement in terms of what seems so fun, what seems to satisfy the instant desire to be pleased in this land and in this society. As gambling presents its way to us in that way, notice also that in our land, 48 out of the 50 states now have legalized gambling. 48 out of 50. The only exceptions to my knowledge are Utah and Hawaii. As we appreciate that, notice also the casinos that are now run in dramatically money-making fashion on the Indian reservations out in the western part of our country. To say all that is to say, when we mention gambling, what are we discussing? Let's be a bit specific in terms of the definition. I've listed it for your consideration, if you would. Gambling is an activity in which money or property is risked in an artificially created game of chance. Any activity in which property or money is risked, that is, there is a risk of losing it or some portion of it, In some artificially created game of chance. With that kind of idea as a support for our study, might we thus give consideration to the addiction that's present in our land? And I use the word with purpose. I believe there is sufficient statistical evidence to show that the problems abound in our land as a direct result of gambling. I've already listed the advertisements that are so prevalent. The casinos that rake in money hand over fist. In fact, I've listed some statistics for your consideration. The GGR, which is one of the most well-quoted statistics concerning gambling, the gross gambling revenue, $90.93 billion in the United States of America in the year 2006. As an indication of the increasing problem that gambling presents, I list that same statistic from the year 1997. Notice, there it was great at $50.9 billion. Look how much it increased from 1997 to 2006. It seems no wonder it is the case that it is recognized even by governmental authorities with the establishment of programs to help people who are addicted to gambling. billion dollars in 2006. I remember when Denise and the girls and I visited one of the cities in our land and saw a riverboat riverboat casino there on the Mississippi River. You see it seems it's easy to travel to these places and to see the myriad of people who enter that place with a smile on their face expectant and anxious to spend their money in the aspect of gambling. Our beloved state of Tennessee is also a part of all of this. For the citizens of our state approved a Tennessee State Lottery, or approved, I should say, to change the Tennessee State Constitution to allow a lottery not many years ago now. In fact, on the very first day that that lottery opened, $10.8 million were were spent to purchase lottery tickets, and that's in our state. To say all that leads us to say, what saith the Scripture about this? It's clear society approves of it, our government does, so many and even our state do. Paul asked that overwhelming question, didn't he, in Romans 4 verse 3, What saith the scripture? To the scriptures then let us turn first this morning with a consideration of gambling, and then a little later in the lesson to ask some pertinent questions that quite often are raised in conversations with those who have a mindset to support or encourage it. First of all, let us be very sure to say one can search from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. The word gamble does not occur in the Bible. The word gambling does not occur. But as we appreciate the change in culture and the introductions of societies, it is the wonderful aspect of this book that principles are set forth that address the various matters of any society, be it gambling or any other thing, That's the wonderful testimony, isn't it, of the Word of God? It's timeless. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The famous quotation of Hebrews 4 verse 12. Thus, given that the Scriptures are alive, if you please, that's the word employed there, they're quick, might we notice, how does it address gambling? I've listed some considerations for each of us to ponder. The first has to do with the matter of stewardship. I don't believe anyone would argue that gambling is poor stewardship. That is to say, it risks what one owns, his money, his property, or otherwise, on an artificially created game of chance. And let's be realistic about it. The various gambling establishments all Are lined in favor of the house at those casinos every game that one can play be it roulette blackjack or anything else the house is the one that is the winner it is set up statistically that way and in the Tennessee State Lottery of the millions that are wagered may we consider how many winners are there poor stewardship indeed That takes on an added consideration when we ask, what does God demand in regard to stewardship? The scriptures testify almost from opening cover to to, to the back one about the fact God will hold us accountable for the degree of stewardship with respect to the blessings that He has made available to us. He expects us to use our talents and our resources productively and wisely. In Proverbs 24, 1, The earth and the fullness thereof belong to the Lord. What right do we have to carelessly gamble away on risk what He has entrusted to our care? You and I are earthen vessels, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, and in that sense should carry out with excitement the degree of the talents and resources He has given to us. It is still a rather dramatic lesson, isn't it, to rehearse John 6, verse 13. After the Lord had miraculously fed 5,000 men, not counting the women and children, with but five loaves and two fishes, afterward he gave order not to waste what was left over. You gather up and 12 baskets full of the leftovers were gathered. That helps us appreciate that God doesn't take interest in wastefully throwing away that which he has given to our consideration. In the 25th chapter of Matthew, the Lord spoke again that well-known parable of the talents. And let us focus attention only for the time being on the one talent man. Here was a man who'd been given a talent. He chose to hide it, to bury it, and to safely return it to his master at the time of reckoning. The master was displeased. He said, you knew I was a hard man. You knew I was an austere man. You knew that I gathered where I hadn't sowed. You ought to have given it to those so that at least I could have it back with interest. May I ask, if gambling is wasteful and allows one to return less than that which he started with, how do you suppose the God of heaven will look upon wastefulness? If the man was considered unfaithful, wicked, and slothful when he presented back what he had been given, what if one presents back less might we note, then, in regard to stewardship, gambling is a wasteful proposition. It is a poor usage of the resources and the precious ones that God has made available unto us. But in the second place, might we notice that gambling has as its root the matter of covetousness and greed. It's safe to say that gambling would be of no interest if the pay, the possibility of the win, was financially no more than what one invested the greed and the covetousness related to it is the thought of gaining so much for so little input. Covetousness. And yet a moment ago we noticed the statement again by our Savior. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. As that presentation by our Savior was made, It helps us even remember in relation to gambling that it's so easy in the excitement related to it to become overwhelmingly compulsive with respect to it. That nature then of gambling as it relates to this leads me to say, and note the bottom statement if you would, gambling is this which risks something of less value in the hope of gaining something of far more value by chance. We've noticed more than once already this artificially created risk. Some kind of a game. It's not a risk that must be taken. It's not an activity that relates directly to the normal activities of life. That perhaps leads us to note some other passages that might help us understand that a bit better. We noted Matthew 6, 24. But Jesus directly employed the word covetousness in an unforgettable text in Luke twelve fifteen. A person had come and asked Jesus a question. Asked him, in fact, to intervene on his behalf to obtain a portion of the inheritance. And Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. When we consider then the wastefulness or the poor stewardship in conjunction with this matter of the greed and covetousness, we're seeing a rather strong argument in the principles of the Bible against it. As we consider covetousness, note the condemnation of Colossians 3.5 with respect to it. Paul said, "...mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth." That word mortify again means to put to death." To not participate in this, to have it be no part of your life. And among that list, covetousness. If we appreciate the force and the might behind that word, it may give us a better appreciation for Romans thirteen fourteen. To that congregation in Rome, the inspired apostle, in regard to the things of the flesh, said, Make no provision for the things of the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. The ancient city of Rome was known for many vices, known for many activities which did not gain the favor of heaven, and one of them was the satisfaction of and fulfillment of the various lusts of the flesh. Paul said, make no provision for such things. That perhaps leads us to the third consideration, the matter of the work ethic that gambling corrupts. Throughout the sacred nature of the Word of God, we learn powerfully and beautifully that God upholds the nature of work in exchange for wage, work in exchange for the rightful reward related thereto. Is it not the case that gambling, in fact, overlooks and corrupts that concept and idea to spend a little and gain a lot? God told Adam in Genesis 3.19, In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. That early pronouncement, was not a condemnation of work by any sense it was a statement of the very fact that the nature of man upon earth is to work in exchange for the wage later was it not said in second Thessalonians 3 verse 10 that if any man would not work he should not eat we thus see that the Bible instructs us to be busy to be those individuals who are able to carry out the labors and activities of work if you please and in exchange for that, God will bless us with the ways to provide for ourselves and our families. This matter of a corrupted work ethic brings to our mind the statement of Ephesians 4, verse 28, where there we read in terms of the condemnation of stealing, but the latter part of the verse is so intriguing. Any man to steal, let him, steal. Let him that stole steal no more. Why, Paul that he may work with his hands the thing that is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. To work with his hands the things that are good. Now, there was gambling in the ancient Roman Empire. Corinth and Rome both were well known for that activity. Paul did not endorse it. He did not condone it. Rather, he encouraged to work with his hands the thing that is good. The appreciation of the nature of work maybe takes us to the view that gambling has of others. It is this aspect of it that might be easily overlooked. It is easy to conclude and to even state that gambling is nothing but straightforward exploitation. I hope to win while I hope all others lose. I want to take what they have committed to this pot of money for myself. Gambling, in a sense, is selfishness at the heart. It is something that strives to take what belongs to another and to possess it for myself. Now, gambling from that perspective, of course, runs counter to many of the texts that we know and love so well in the Word of God. The appreciation of those such as the ones that we might list here. Turning back even to the Old Testament, at some point this week, if the opportunity presents itself, I'd encourage you to read the first three verses of Micah chapter 2. Listen to the prophet Micah, of course, speaking the words of God, condemn Israel for her exploitation of people in society, those who would take advantage of others in ways that were, in fact, evil in the sight of God. God promised to punish it, and that he did. For into captivity that people would go, and there they would stay, f- until the time of which Judah, of course, came out from that Babylonian captivity. In Matthew seven twelve perhaps the greatest ethical statement of the whole New Testament. Jesus uttered these words, the golden rule that we sometimes speak about in quote, Therefore all things whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do ye even so unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. The realization then of exploitation in terms of gambling, to take what others have had and what they have wagered and bet in these things, we're merely exploiting, we're hoping to win in a sense of their loss. That idea of gambling reminds us that our view toward others ought to much more be like this. Love thy neighbor as thyself, Leviticus nineteen eighteen, Quoted verbatim by Jesus in Mark twelve thirty one. If we love another, we wish certainly not to exploit them, to take advantage of them, to take what belongs to them. These four ideas so far only bring us to two more. Asking us to think about the principles involved in the matter of gambling. In the fifth place, what about the company that gambling keeps? I think all of us, certainly as parents, encourage even our children in wisdom to appreciate the company that's kept by either an individual or an activity. Because you can learn so much about an individual or an activity by witnessing the kind of company that it keeps. May we apply the same principle to gambling. Jesus apparently stated that such would certainly be possible in Matthew seven, fifteen to twenty. In that text he made the statement that look about the company that false teachers keep. Notice again, by their fruits ye shall know them if the same could be said in regard to false teaching and the fruits that it bears could not a similar argument be made with respect to the company and the fruits that are born by gambling. I've listed just a few of the things in terms of the company that gambling keeps. I wonder if we were to ask the officials in Las Vegas, Nevada or ask even the governor of Nevada, what about the kind of company that gambling keeps? This kind of listing, in fact, I have made in part from individuals who I found that lived in the state of Nevada. It was a website maintained by those individuals. In fact, a church that's located in Las Vegas, a Church of, of Christ is what it's labeled, actually had rather startling statistics about these things in their city. We often see the glittering lights by way of commercial as it relates to Las Vegas. We often don't see the poverty. We have very little opportunity unless we visit there perhaps to see the things like divorce and drugs and prostitution. And we often have little opportunity to see the murder and the suicide and the crime that runs rampant because of gambling. At least gambling is a strong participator and encourager of it. Look at the company that is kept by gambling. In fact, it was even noted, and this now was different statistics, the actual government of Nevada has noted that prostitution in terms, though it's not legal, it is running rampant in the city of Las Vegas. Coincidence? I think not. Look at the company that gambling keeps. It's interesting as we consider that idea of it to remind ourselves of 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Or that statement, what should our mind be dwelling on in Philippians 4.8? Brethren, if there be any virtue, think on what Paul said. That which is true, that which is honest, that which is just, that which is pure, that which is lovely, and that which is of good report. May we thus desire to allow our mind to dwell not on covetousness and wastefulness and things of evil company, but things that are wholesome, supported by the Word of God, and encouraged nobly by Him. Perhaps sixthly, might we notice one other aspect of gambling. Namely, it fails to glorify God. If we rest solidly on the prescription of Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto God and the Father by Him. Where is the biblical authorization and approval of something like gambling? I would submit to you in light of the five things so far it isn't there. But not only that, there's a text in Isaiah 65. I would encourage you to read because it seems like gambling here is directly under consideration. What does God have to say about it? Isaiah 65 verse number 11. I'm reading for the King James Translation, Isaiah 65, verse number 11. But ye are they that forsake the Lord, that forget my holy mountain, that prepare a table for that troop, that furnish the drink offering into that number. Therefore will I number you to the sword, and ye shall all bow down to the slaughter. Because when I called, ye did not answer. When I spake, ye did not hear but did evil before mine eyes, and did choose that wherein I delighted not. It's certainly safe to say, isn't it, from verse 12, that that which is under discussion is something that God condemned. He said, when I called, you didn't hear, you didn't answer. And furthermore, at the end of the verse, what this is that you're doing is something that is evil, and I delighted not in it. Now, what is the something? Back to verse 11. The Hebrew word that's translated troop is the word fortune. Furthermore, the word that's translated number is the word destiny. In essence, it strongly appears as though ancient Israel was gathering around a table and in the interest of luck and in the interest of fortune, engaging in activity. How is that any different from gambling? To place one's hopes on fortune and luck that one's going to come out a winner. God said, such things ought not be. He said, and for that reason, I'm going to turn you over to the slaughter. Every one of you be turned to the sword. To my knowledge, that's the clearest text in the Old Testament even condemning gambling. It is the very nature, it seems easily, of what the people of Israel were engaging in. And God said clearly, it's evil. It is not something that ought to be taking place. In light of these six things, we can thus conclude gambling is not approved by the Word of God. It's an evil. It's sinful. Look at the company that it keeps. But yet, as we began the lesson, we know this has not stopped our nation from encouraging it, supporting it, 48 out of the 50 states approve it and openly endorse it. What are the arguments that have been presented in the hope of bringing lotteries and gambling and other things to bear? there seem to be two most prevalent. I would ask your consideration as we bring our lesson to a close this morning. First of all, I can well remember that when the referendum for the lottery in this state was up for consideration, the statement so often made was, look at the education that it will fund and the tax dollars that it will bring in. Look at the improvement in the roads and the education that will be possible. We can pay for young people to go to college. We can improve the infrastructure in our counties and in our state. Has it happened? Are our roads any better now than they were ten years ago? Is it the case that what they promised has come to pass? I would submit that the Hope Scholarships have become prominent and many students are able to take advantage of them. But we'll never forget that the cost of evil is far, far greater than the cost of any potential good. And as we've often noted, the end never justifies the means. In fact, that principle is never endorsed in the Word of God. If that argument is made, it's certainly a weak one at best. I'd submit, though, that there's another argument that some still try to make. And this is almost the first one that's often mentioned. Isn't all of life a gamble? When you get up in the morning, isn't it a gamble whether you'll make it to work or not? Isn't it a gamble when you plant your crops, whether you'll ever reap anything or harvest anything? Isn't it a gamble when you invest your money in the stock market? How do we answer? How does one look upon those ideas? May we allow the Word of God to be of some assistance to us in thinking more clearly about ideas like that? We learn in the Scriptures that there are uncertainties related to life. In fact, Solomon even noted that, didn't he? In Ecclesiastes 9, verse 11, he said, time and chance happeneth to them all. And we still have the affirmation of Proverbs 27, verse 1, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. There's an uncertainty relative to the fact of even life for me tomorrow. I might not live that long, and you may not live that long either there may be an accident that takes my life or in some other catastrophe that brings a hardship upon my family or me those uncertainties of life are not gambles they are simply having to do with the aspect of living but might we notice is that a gamble in the way that we've described it remember gambling was that activity that puts at risk something that's owned or something such as money or property in a game of chance that is artificially created. Is there any artificial created matter of chance relative to a farmer planting his crop? He, by virtue of hard labor, plants that crop in the expectation of the harvest. He labors over it by fertilize, by constant preparation, by making sure of the harvest as nearly as he can. That's not a gamble in the sense of this artificially created consideration, is it? He is investing all that he can possibly invest to bring about the productive endeavor of the harvest. That's not nearly the same as sitting at a roulette table. What is one investing there? There's no skill to it. There's nothing but pure chance. Those are nowhere near the same. What about that person who chooses to invest in the stock market? Is that a gamble? Is there an artificially created matter of, or game of chance relative to it? Certainly not in the same way at all. For when one invests, that is a viable company that is in turn striving to produce a product for those who wish to purchase or to make access to it. And those who invest in it are making a choice in the wisdom of their knowledge to invest in that which will be a wise investment. What is the gamble in that, in the same way that the gamble is spoken of in these other ways? That person who is, say, over that particular investment, we trust that that person studies hard, carefully looks at the statistics and invests in that mutual fund, for instance, in the way that is wise. There's certainly not the same chance in that. In fact, not any chance at all like an artificially created game of chance. That kind of thing, in fact, may lead us back to Matthew 20. There Jesus, in fact, endorsed and approved a farmer who plants his crop. And if the Lord endorsed it, it certainly cannot be wrong. And as he spoke about the nature of those who harvest and those who are rewarded, it is an encouragement for us to labor in life in ways that seek to wisely use the investments and the things that God has given to us. The earth and the fullness thereof belong unto the Lord, to quote again Proverbs, or Psalm 24.1. When one speaks about gambling in ways like these, it challenges us to see that the world has gone so far astray from the considerations related to it, and it leads us to draw our lesson to its conclusion this morning as well. In these final summary statements, we've noticed that gambling is prevalent, but that doesn't make it right. We've noticed how tempting it can be in a convenience store to see all those lottery tickets and to buy one or two or more. May we remember, though, that those things that God has given us, He expects us, in terms of those six things, to realize to have a different view of others, to in fact not be prodigal or wasteful or poor stewards, to appreciate that we should glorify and honor God with the things that we possess. And in light of all of that, to understand that these artificially created games of chance, be they lotteries, be they raffles or other things, those are something that no Christian should support, endorse, or participate in, for they are, in fact, nothing but gambling, which the Scriptures condemn. This morning, as we consider the summary statement then, may we help to encourage others to realize the sinfulness of these activities, and to be better prepared in our own life to defend the truth of God's Word on subjects like this one. This morning, we can appreciate that it would be terrible to leave this life unprepared to meet God in judgment. And I might suggest to you that that's not a gamble. The Bible tells us we leave Him unprepared, hell will be our destiny. There is no gamble in that at all. But by the same token, if we leave this life having died in the Lord, rest, bliss, and joy in the glorious climes of an eternal heaven shall be ours. There's no gambling in that. 1 John 5.13 reminds us that we may know whether we're saved. What about you this morning? Are you saved? Have you placed your life into the comfortable hands of the Son of God, living each day in harmony with His will, appreciating the thoroughness of His blessings, and marching toward eternity with a smile on your face, looking forward to the glorious climes of heaven? If you are not in that position this morning, perhaps you have never become a Christian. The Scripture, by the very words of our Savior, demand this of us. You must hear the word of the Lord. We're told that in Romans 10, 14, and we must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, putting confidence and trust in the Scriptures and the truth therein. We also, of course, must repent of our sins, understanding that they are what separate us from God, that repentance enjoined upon us in Acts two thirty eight. We must confess the name of Jesus as the Son of God, as did that eunuch in the 8th chapter of Acts, and then we must be baptized for the remission of sins. If we may assist one or more today in accomplishing that, what a joyous day for you it would be and for us as well. If you have become a Christian, though, but have not been faithful to that calling, to that vocation of the Lord, Ephesians 4.1, we'd be honored to pray on your behalf. You need to repent of those sins and then come making a confession if they've been public. We'll be honored to pray unto God for your forgiveness and He's promised to forgive those things from your life. Today, if we could be of assistance to anyone in either of those ways or for prayers of strength, we'd be happy and honored to be a part of that activity. We would urge you to let us know that if you would while together we stand and while we sing.